This is Heather Meckes, Director of Discipleship at CRC, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you, encourages you, and allows you to see how God is moving in and around you. If you would like to check out more resources, go to coopersvillereform.com. Enjoy the message. Morning. I'm Bennett, and uh, I get the awesome privilege of uh, reading the scripture this morning. I'm also getting older. So from uh, the second uh, epistle of Paul to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians uh, 5, uh, page 937, if you have the blue Bible uh, in, your, uh, in the pew there. If we, out of our mind, as some say, it is for God, if we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Psalm 91, 2 through 4. John 3, 17. Luke 10, 18 through 20. Exodus 14, 13a. Hebrews 4, 12 says the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It cuts, even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. My whole life changed. And my whole life changed. My whole life changed. My whole life changed. My whole life changed. Welcome CRC. I am Pastor John. I have the privilege of serving this church as the lead pastor. Uh, welcome to week two of our series, My Whole Life Changed. Throughout this series, we're going to be looking at the Word of God. And specifically, we look at the Word of God every week, so it's, uh, that's not different than what we've been doing uh, since the uh, conception of this church. However, we're going to be looking at scriptures specifically that have the power and have had the power in many people's lives to change trajectories through faith, to change absolute lives in amazing and radical ways. And I, I think back to my life prior to conversion, so my old life, and one of the hardest things for me uh, was that I constantly struggled with the way in which I viewed myself. 
I listen too closely to outside perspectives and outside voices. And over time, I had grown this disdain, this hatred for myself. Uh, what I had come to find out is uh, I became very self-aware of the person who I had become. And the more I became aware of the person who I had become, the more depressed I would be. Why? Because I knew who I was, but I didn't know who God was. Th that is the scariest thing, I think, for people today, is that when they understand truly who they are, and I think you can only truly understand who you are through the awakening of the Holy Spirit, but the enemy also works in that as well prior to an understanding of Christ. When people truly understand who they are, but they don't understand who God is and how merciful and gracious and loving he is and how kind he is, how redemptive he is, it's a scary place to be. The, the 16th century French uh, pastor and theologian, John Calvin, uh, put it like this in his Institutes, and this is paraphrased. True and substantial wisdom principally consists of two parts. Here's true substantial wisdom according to Calvin. The knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. I would argue if you just have the knowledge of yourself without the knowledge of God, that's a very depressing place to be. And I lived in that. And I was... 17 years old, and it was the summer of 2006. I had just graduated high school, and my whole life changed. My whole life changed. I submitted my life to God. But before that, if I had a mission in life, and I were to boil it down to two objectives, I would tell you my mission prior to the Holy Spirit working in my life in a regenerate way, here was my mission prior to that day. One, I live for my pleasure. And two, I live for others' approval. One, I lived for my pleasure. I had two objectives. And secondly, I lived for other people's approval. It was a hard place to be but that was my life mission. I would have never said that to anyone. I didn't have that on a poster on my wall or anything that I was boasting about, that I live for my pleasure and other people's approval. But that was indeed the reality when I looked at my life. And then in the midst of this deep depression, deep shame, a ton of shame, guilt, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ in everything, listen to me, everything changed. Now, now, circumstances in my life were not as I wished that they were the next day. Uh, things in my life were still broken, messed up. Temptation then creeped in. Temptation that I was once living in and enjoying uh, was now all of a sudden temptation, which I found to be um, something crazy. And I had to then follow and pursue Christ with all of my being, just like I followed and pursued my own pleasures with all of my being, I was now set forth on a new mission through the power of Christ and his Holy Spirit who had awakened my soul. I was now set forth on a new mission.
to surrender everything to him and to live for him. And when I discovered and began to unpack this truth that was found and is found in 2 Corinthians chapter five that our brother Bennett just read, I realized how I had been given a fresh start. I suddenly had this fresh start. So for anyone and everyone who calls Jesus Christ Lord, I pray that you've experienced this fresh start that Christ offers and allow this sermon then to be an awakening to your soul and a reminder to your soul. But if you are here either with us present at Coopersville Reformed Church or maybe you're joining us online either at this time or another time, I pray that this message would speak volumes to you, that God longs to redeem you, that the price has been paid for your sin and you can go and be reconciled, which means you can be in right standing with God. I pray that you would receive that this morning or whenever you may be watching this. Let's read again the text together. We can't read this enough, so we started this um, having someone come up here each Sunday at both of our service, traditional service and contemporary service. We can't do this enough. You may be thinking, we just read this text 10 minutes ago, John. Um, I pray that you would read this text 10 times through, throughout the week, and that this would become something that would be ingrained in our minds throughout the day, throughout the week, and prayerfully throughout our lives. Starting in verse 13 in 2 Corinthians chapter five, Paul writes, if we're out of our mind, if we're out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. Does anyone ever say that you're out of your mind? I, I hope, if not, yeah, so young man. Uh, so I, I hope if they don't, if, if we are truly living for Jesus, the reality is some may end up saying, you're out of your mind. The way in which you steward your finances, you're out of your mind. The way in which you love people, you're out of your mind. The way in which you serve and seek to lay your life down for others, some may think you're out of your mind. Paul says, if we're out of our mind, as some say, it's for God. If we are in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has passed or has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness 
of God. This morning, I wanna give you three genuine responses to a fresh start in Christ that I believe are here found in 2 Corinthians chapter five. First one is in Christ, you have a new motivation. You have a new motivation. Paul states in verse 14 that Christ's love compels us. In other versions, maybe you have the ESV, NASB, maybe even the King James Version may read like this, but I I know I've read in other versions, Christ's love controls us. This is a real type of love that has real type of power and influence in our life and a motivation that causes us to live distinctly, to live differently as God's people. When we are living and pulling from the motivation of Christ's love, it is enough to make others wonder, are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? And when we talk about weird Christians uh, uh, quite a bit here, um, so for those of you like me, or a weird Christian, you just point to 2 Corinthians 5.13 and say, yep, I'm out of my mind. I'm out of my mind for God. Some of you normal Christians, pipe down, okay? Can you imagine? Think about this. How different our lives would look if we started to view everything out of this new motivation that comes from the love of Christ within us that has compelled us. Imagine how different our lives would look. Imagine how different this city would look. Imagine how different our homes would look. Imagine how different our neighborhoods would look if we lived within this motivation on a regular basis, on a daily basis, that it is the love of Christ that compels us. Oh, how different would our lives look? How different would our relationships look? How different would our grocery store runs look? And how different would regular rhythms in our life look if we truly lived in this motivation and we allowed this motivation to be an ever-present reality in our lives? What is it that motivates you in your inmost being? What is it that motivates you in your innermost being? When when we go out and we interact with others who are far from Jesus, is it the love of Christ that is truly compelling us? And if it is the love of Christ that is truly compelling us as a church, let me suggest, I think our water bill should be higher this coming year because of all the people who are coming to faith and wanting to be baptized. And we'll look at some numbers here at the end of my sermon and I'll share with you what I mean. Paul says though, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. What was Paul saying? In other words, he says, look, we don't see people according to normal categories anymore now we're in Christ. I don't see people as wealthy and poor, two classes. I don't see people as influential or weak, black or white, Lions fans or Niners fans. Bunch of y'all, I gotta just be real, bunch of y'all are rooting for the Rams tonight and your pastor demands that you stop it (laughs) in the name of Jesus. 
We have two Niners fans currently in this church, outside of uh, my wife as well. We have myself and then a young man named G, who, who I bought a shirt for to just try to talk him into being a Niners fan. And he wrote me this today. It's a Niners logo and it says, Pastor with an E, John. Um, and so, go Niners, that's my plug, all right. But we don't look at people from different categories and say, oh, you're influential, oh, you're, you're, you're not influential, or oh, you're this, or, or you're that. No, 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 no. Paul says, look, we don't see people from that worldly perspective anymore. However, in, in our right minds, or in out of our minds, rather, maybe, uh, we see people, those who know Christ and who've been redeemed, and transformed by his love. And those who haven't, and those who haven't, we we don't treat them any differently in terms of how we love them. Actually, we may even go out of our way more to love them and to express the love of Christ, to share the love of Christ with them. Why? Because Paul said what? Here in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, we're ambassadors. As if God was making his case through us This is who we are to be. I'll be real with you. Sometimes as a pastor, the the challenge of this season that I'm in, um, I don't love it all the time. Let let me explain a little bit. I'm here a lot. I'm here a lot. Working on stuff here a lot. We have an awesome staff. I'm around a ton of Jesus-loving people. Consistory, staff, life, everything here. Jesus-loving people all around me. Even Dave. Hey, Dave. I'm around a lot of Jesus-loving people. Then I go to seminary. Seminary, a bunch of students, a bunch of seminarians like myself, scholars, people who are pursuing scholarly endeavor of understanding the word of God deeper so that they can love Christ more and also be more effective in ministry. I'm around a bunch of people who love Jesus there. It's awesome. But sometimes, if I can be real with you, I miss just clocking in sometimes at a nine to five, realizing that I'm going to be in a place where there's not a lot of Christians and I'm going to be able to make a difference for Jesus today in someone's life who doesn't know Christ. Like I miss that. Like it's like the missionary in me, like, man, I want more of that in my life. And I know I miss too many opportunities, and so I'm not saying I don't have opportunities, because I certainly do, and I probably miss a lot more than I hit on, but I miss it. And so sometimes when I'm able to just be a, just another guy and not be Pastor John, I really enjoy that. And so this past weekend, I got to go and officiate a wedding where I was Pastor John at the wedding, but I wasn't Pastor John on the plane from Grand Rapids to Midway International Airport and then connecting flight to Kansas. I got to just be a guy on a plane. And we sat down, and because my legs are a lot longer than yours, (laughs) I have to find like the exit row or the front row of the airplane to be halfway comfortable. Um, And so I try to find, because I get a bird's eye view when I get on the plane, like hawking down, like where's there a spot for a lanky dude like me? And so I found one on the exit row and then Helen and Sienna sat right behind me and everyone was getting seated. 
and there's probably maybe a couple dozen seats available, and there's this one last guy who needed to find a seat, and he's probably five rows or so up, and he's looking, and no one's jumping at the idea, because when you have an open seat by you on an airplane, you're just praising Jesus at this time. You get a little extra leg room, a little extra leg room. You, you know, you're thanking God. And I'm sure the guy who was sitting two seats away from me was doing the same until I start waving this guy down like, hey man, we got leg room here. Come over here, sit here, please sit here. I felt like the love of Christ was compelling me to call this guy down and say, buddy, come on down like I'm Bob Barker. Sit right here in this seat. I'd love you to sit here. And so he goes, okay. So he comes, and I can tell he has a lot on his mind. He's tatted up a little bit. He had a skateboard with him, puts a skateboard up in the thing. And I'm like, yes. And so I just asked one question. They're de-icing the runway. I think it's one of the first planes that were going out early that morning on Friday. I say, hey, man, can you tell me your story? I just love to hear your story. And he said, oh, dude, I got a story to tell. And so he just starts telling me his story as the, as the runway's being de-iced and, and, and we're up in the air and he can't go anywhere. And I'm just right there with him. <laughs> like the, the buckle light is on, like you ain't going anywhere, partner. Hold it if you gotta pee. And he shares with me a story for, I don't know how long it was, I knew the flight was gonna be really quick once we got up. And so I say, hey man, now can I share with you how the love of Christ has captured my heart? And I began sharing with him using his story, how my story also kind of ties into that, but more than that, how the story of God the Father seeking to reconcile his people fits into his story perfectly. And I won't get into it, but it was perfect. And I said, can I pray with you, man? We're descending into midway. And he goes, please. So I pray with him. We exchange numbers. And he sends me a text. I think it was Sunday or Saturday night that I longed and prayed for that he would be able to send me. It was three words. I truly believe. He said, I truly believe. This was a man who never darkened the door of a church in his life. He said, I truly believe. The love of Christ compels his people and is the motivating influence in their everyday decisions. If you missed as much as I missed in your everyday interactions with people, God has you here today for a purpose and for a reason, for a fresh start. You need to know this. Next, you're a new person, so you have a new motivation and you're a new person. My favorite verse in 2 Corinthians chapter five, and one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here, exclamation mark. The new is here. The old is gone, you're a new person. If you have trusted and Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul. What this means practically is that change in our behavior then must first be preceded by a change in our nature 
if there is truly transformative work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, that we don't change our behavior first and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit enters in, now it's clean enough in our lives to then come in and then change us more, but we come to him broken, failed, flawed, jacked up, and he comes into that broken, failed, flawed, and jacked up person and he does a restorative work, and he makes us a new creation in Christ Jesus. When we place our faith in him, he places his hand on our life and transforms us through his Holy Spirit, through the power and work of the Spirit in which he gives his people. Too often, if we wanna be real, we get it backwards, we mess up the order a little bit, we see that no, maybe I need to correct some things in my life first, clean some things up in my life first, then maybe God would make his home in me, make his abode in me, take up residency in me, and then maybe I could do some work for him. But that is never, ever what the Bible teaches. It teaches that we come to him failed, flawed, and messed up, and he marks us forgiven and free and friend. That is the miraculous power of the gospel, that we don't clean ourselves up before we come to God, but he indeed makes us a new creation, and we are new people. Galatians 6.15, this is how Paul puts it. He says, look, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. Look, that outward work, it's great. It's a mark of the covenant. Awesome, love it. I am great, awesome. He says, no, 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 but that means, he said, that doesn't mean anything. He says, what counts is the what? It's the new creation. That's what counts. This is what it's about. Paul's big idea is that God desires us to be born again in him and live a new life as a new person in union, relationship with him, rather than to work to transform ourselves by our outward and religious ethic. Let the work of Christ work in you, and then genuinely you will be a new person instead of working your way into this new creation. It's a gift. I was reading a story about a London businessman, man, uh, Lindsey Clegg, and he, and he told the story of a warehouse property that he was selling. This warehouse was jacked up, messed up, burglars came in, broke the windows, it was messy on the inside, and he was working to sell this warehouse. And someone came in, a prospect, to buy this warehouse, this property, they came in and as Clegg is walking him through the residence, he says, look man, we'll get some new windows on this thing for you, we'll get all this garbage cleaned up, we'll get this thing swept up for you if you would make a decision to buy this. And the gentleman who was considering buying this says, hey look man, forget about the repairs. The buyer said, when I buy this place, I'm gonna build something completely different. He goes, I just want the site. 
You catch that? I just want the site. I'm gonna build something new, something glorious, something better. I just want the site. Compared with the renovation that God has in mind in our lives, our efforts to improve our own lives are as trivial as a broom and a dustpan in that warehouse. When we become gods, the old life is over, it's done. My question is to you, have you experienced that? All things become new. It's not that we don't wrestle with the old still, it's not that the old self doesn't try to rise up. Paul said, look, I die daily. It's for me, I die daily. I have to put on the new nature, to put on the new self, rather. But God wants the sight. I heard one pastor share on this, and, and he was talking about uh, the difference between a blank check and a gift card. And he was talking how, have you you've given someone a gift card, you know, it's like 25 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever you put on a gift card, and, and you give it to them, and that's what they get. They get 50 bucks, they get 25 bucks, maybe 100 bucks. Anything over what they spend at this particular place, that's on them. But have you ever given someone a blank check and went through the anxiety of that? Like you think you know the person? You're like, I hope I know this person. I don't know what the cost is gonna be, uh, but here you go, just fill out the cost. And then like every two hours, you're looking at your bank account to make sure they didn't empty it. Um, that's a whole nother level of faith. God calls for us to give him a blank check when it comes to our lives, not a gift card. Like, God, I'll give you this much. God, I'll give you that. No, God demands everything because what he committed in his sacrifice was everything. He demands everything from us, have you given him everything? Have you surrendered it all to him? A fresh start in Christ promises that you are a new person, the old is gone, the new is here. Lastly, so a bunch of the, the first two were yous, new motivation, you, have a new motivation, you are a new person. This one, this is us, we, the church, have a new mission. We have a new mission, did you catch it? Paul says, God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation to God means that your standing with him has completely changed. Reconciliation means to change completely. New relationship. We had a, a brother talking uh, this past, I think it was Monday or Tuesday night, at seminary of that. He took the word relationship, says, don't like it. He said, union is better. I said, ah, I like that a lot. In this new union, this is what God is calling us to, a covenant commitment, a commitment. The gospel declares that Christ bore our sin in our place, but it doesn't do them any good if people never hear about it. Doesn't do people good if they never hear about it. Look, we could do a bunch of mission and work and mission in the world and other ministries and all of that, which we are all about and we do a lot of here at this church. But listen to me, if it doesn't include the ministry of reconciliation that God has come to redeem sinners from the grip of 
sin and death and despair and to bring them into a new union with him. It's just humanitarian work. It's just humanitarian work, which is great, which the church should be a part of, but it must be connected to the ministry of reconciliation. This is the ministry God has given the church. The church is his primary instrument for reconciliation. Churches make disciples better than any other organization on the planet. God called the church to do this. Our focus in the ministry at this church will always be the message in the ministry of reconciliation. It will always be the ministry and the message of reconciliation. This is not to say that we don't meet physical needs because Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 5 that we should, we're ambassadors, which means we represent God, which means our physical needs better match our proclamation or the, the way in which we serve others, physical needs better match our proclamation. Jesus met physical needs, Paul met physical needs, the people of God for centuries have met physical needs, but if it does not also come with it, the ministry and the message of reconciliation, then it's short-lived. Then it's short-lived. This is why I have such a heart for this church to be a church that blesses other churches. I pray that we would be a part of planting churches. That was Paul's whole ministry in the New Testament. Yes, he met physical needs, but he was always a part of a church planting strategy. Nothing happens throughout the 28 chapters in the book of Acts apart from a church planting mission. The church is God's plan A for the nations to deliver the message of reconciliation to people who are lost everywhere. CRC, do you realize how crucial, how important how big your value is when it comes to the ministry of reconciliation to this area and beyond? Do you realize how big it is? It's imperative that you know this. When I gave my life to Christ and my whole life changed, the church was so quick to invite me in, to build me up, and to give me a place to belong. I love that about the church. The church helped me to grow in my relationship with Christ and to find community with other Jesus-loving people, but only to find that community so we can go back out and make more disciples. I'm gonna share with you some stats that I just happened to be reading. I was reading a, a Gospel Coalition article a couple days ago, and, and some of these stats came up, and I started Googling and going to Barna, all that fun stuff. And, and this is the current landscape I believe since 2020, since the end of 2020, the average church size, 65 attendees currently. 20 years ago, it was 135, it was about double. And this is knocking smaller churches, medium churches, whatever, big church, not knocking any size church. But I mean, that, that's a significantly smaller number. And in 2020, only 47% of US adults belong to a church and these are just the ones who say they belong to a church. Now you know and I know, some folks say they belong to a church and some folk actually belong to a church. And this is also synagogue or mosque. So I mean, this isn't just Christians. 
These are people who belong to a religious affiliation, only 47%. That number is down 20 points, over 20 points, from just 2,000, 20 years prior. And here's the image, you can go to the next uh, picture. So this is what it looks like. All the way over to the left is 1940, and it kind of leveled out all the way up to 2,000. 2,000, 70% of people belong to a church. And then basically from 2,000 on. And it's funny, because when you look at our numbers in terms of attendance, um, the, the history of this church looks a lot like that as well. And so I don't think we're, we were alone in that in the 2000s, but from 2,000 on, for 20 straight years, there's just been this, almost 20 straight years, this steady decline. And I see that and I get giddy. I get excited, why? This is such a time to be alive. These numbers get me fired up. You know I love numbers. As a church, we are in such a great position to see lives change and to see people reconciled back to God. We're in all the minority. That's awesome. That is great. There's way more non-church attenders than there are church attenders now. We are in an awesome position to see God do unprecedented things in this area and beyond. My question is, are you ready to be a part of it? Are you ready to be a part of it? I'm not passing out envelopes, not having a new giving campaign or anything like that. This church, you're filled with faithful givers. We're grateful for the way in which we sacrificially give as a faith community. But are you prepared to lean in even more for the sake of the gospel and the advancement of his mission? Are you willing to lean in even more in your lives, every part of your lives, to see this happen? Let's get ready to do some crazy things. Let's get ready to look weird. Let's get ready to look like we're out of our mind. As people, that, that, that might be my new prayer for 2022 for our church. That we would just start looking a little more like we're out of our mind for God. And we're doing things that people have to question. Like, are you sure? You sure about that? You sure you want to go there? You sure you want to interact with those people? You sure? May we be a part of seeing people have fresh starts in Jesus Christ by being reconciled to God and added to his church. I hope you're up for this. I'm up for this, I'm excited about it, and I'm excited to see what God longs to do through CRC and other churches that we can connect with to help be a blessing to them as they can also help be a blessing to us. Let us pray. Father, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I'm not in this alone. I'm grateful, Father, that I am a part of a team. I'm a part of a body. I'm just one little member. And I get to partner and team up with other passionate, spirit-filled people who are serious about following you. And as your spirit continues to impact and impart truth and wisdom, we get to live faithfully for you, albeit imperfectly. But we get to live faithfully 
for you in this world. May we be a sweet aroma as the body of Christ to the world that we get to rub shoulders with and that we get to reach out to. Father, I pray our hearts would magnify you in every regard. God, we love you, we thank you, and we pray all of these things and more in the mighty, precious, and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.